It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. All right, we'll get back to the calls at 866-95-PATRIOT after my next guest running for governor in Minnesota. Start with that point. That is uh, going to be a tough road for any politician in what is a complicated state, to say the least. Three reasons Kendall Qualls is running for governor. The entire country should care about the first reason. Minnesota was ground zero where the riots, the looting, and the defund the police all started, then spread across the country. That is a key reason Minnesotans leave in the state in record numbers. We see that in other states as well. And Americans are tired of being bullied by the left, exhausted by the constant accusations of systemic racism. So that's on the table. And Kendall Qualls joins me now. Uh, Kendall, great to have you here. David, so glad to be here. Thank you for uh, inviting me. And uh, I like your top three principles, man, to the point. What people should care about, it leads to freedom if we can overcome this. So let's go to number one. Uh, We saw this happen in Minnesota. Uh, Certainly, you know, no new, not new to the scene was Black Lives Matter, but on steroids politically and the defund the police movement. What did that do to the communities in Minnesota? Well, you know, there were two events. I, I think that the community was unified and what they saw was horrific on, on how George Floyd died. But what happened separately was completely hijacked from the political movement. And the, our governor allowed that to happen. Now, in the middle of it all was Ilhan Omar, Keith Ellison, with their their woke agenda, <clears throat> letting letting rioters, you know, get, get their steam out and letting them burn down buildings. But Governor Walt, at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. He allowed that to happen for three days. This is not who we are as Minnesotans. This is not how the state is represented. And, and he allowed the, the whole state, in the, uh, this whole state, to, uh, to be represented that uh, we're full of racist people and racist cops. And there's nothing, no, no truth to that at all. Second that I mentioned, people leave in the state in record numbers, taxes, other cost factors. Now you add inflation and retirees. Now that's a big problem for a lot of states because retirees, whether it's police, fire, or others, uh, especially those public employees that have earned in the state get paid from the state, but then their money moves to another state. Well, David, this is a larger issue than just retirees. I mean, what we're having is companies are relocating to neighboring states. South Dakota, Iowa, and obviously they're fleeing to Texas and, and Tennessee and, and Florida. Um, it's a business. These are business de- decisions. These are just economic business decisions. If you're going to expand an operation, we have some great companies in our state, but when they expand their operations, when they expand R&D, launch new businesses, they're doing it outside of our state because of the financial column numbers that just don't add up. The other part is is you, you want to attract talent talent to your 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 company and attract talent to your community well that's hard to do when people are getting carjacked you know in in in, in grocery store uh, parking lots literally that's happening to women and children so it's a combination of both the crime and the financial things and this is why we need a governor that understands this from outside the world of politics 
from the private sector with private sector solutions, not someone inside politics that's going to tinker around the edges. And that's what I'm going to bring forward as a governor. Uh, The third point I made, and now this goes a little bit more to your personal story, my guest Kendall Qualls running for governor in the state of Minnesota, his website kq4mn.com and on uh, Twitter at kq4mn. So I think that's pretty easy for the audience to figure out there. But this goes to your personal story as well. Uh, We're now being pushed, told, bullied, as you put it, by the left, and the constant accusations of this country, which has been an amazing evolution as a society, uh, still being systemically racist, systemic racism, the charge that is used to be an umbrella for all kinds of leftist fixes. Your personal story, from the projects of Harlem to where you are now, uh, demonstrate that to us based on who you are. Well, absolutely. So I, I lived with my mother, my divorced mom in Harlem in the late 1960s from first grade to fifth grade. I saw it firsthand, the poverty, what we had to live through, the, the, the crime, I, the, the pre, pre-Giuliani years was tough. And then I lived later with my father um, from fifth grade. And where he lived was in a trailer park, a small trailer park. That, that was my start in life. You know, I've been, I tell people I've, I've been called ghetto kid. I've been called trailer trash and a lot worse. But what I've learned about our country is not, no matter where you start in life, you, can, you don't have to stay in life, stay there in life. Um, I earned a, uh, I worked full time through college. I earned my uh, degree. I went on active duty. I served as an artillery officer. I earned three master's degrees, you know, including an MBA from the University of Michigan. And uh, you know what? I, I did well in the corporate realm. If it can happen to a guy like me, it can happen to anyone. Our kids need to hear about what they can do and not the constant drumbeat of what they can't do. Well, I never want my audience to make the assumption. People have made that assumption about me and the color of my skin, the product of our birth. You happen to be a black man. And when you tell your story to people and you use that example, and not because you're black, that's just what you happen to be, uh, how do you also use this against systemic racism versus uh, freedom, opportunity, and the chance to become who you are in America? Yeah, David, that's a great question. And here's the scenario. I would love to tell people, well, you know, I did this because I'm such an exceptional guy. I'm not. I am not an exceptional person. I live in an exceptional country. I serve an exceptional God. And my parents, my father and my father-in-law both, were products of the Jim Crow South. They would have loved to have grown up in the America that I grew up in. We never talk about the huge leaps that we've accomplished as a country in the last 30, 40, 50 years. I can, I can apply for any job I want. They could not. I could live in any place that I want as long as my credit score can get me the house I want. I bought 10 homes across this country, and none de- denied. I, I bought any car I want. I can go any place I want. What I share with people, and this is, it stuns people when they hear it, this is the least racist period in our country's history. And we would never know it because of the, the, the woke left 
the media and our politicians constant drumbeat around it. And unfortunately, we've indoctrinated 20-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, college-educated people to believe this is the, the, tr- the truth that systemic racism when it's a complete lie. And, you know, I'll, break, I'll pause here, but I can tell you what's, the, what's really driving the disparities. And, and, David, I heard you speak before, and you know it as well. It is the fatherless home issue. Yeah, I know. It's a big issue with the family unit, the breakdown, single-parent birth rate. Uh, No matter what color of skin you have, you know, a single parent, a young woman changes your life, your educational track, and so much more. My guest, Kendall Qualls, Republican gubernatorial candidate in Minnesota. I want to go to something you've done recently, uh, and that is Take Charge in Minnesota, which you founded. And you know, the mission, what you're what you're telling my audience now, but the mission you have there to educate black and other minority communities of their rights and privileges, just that part of it. And I would say the American community that needs to be educated on rights and privileges or even just let's put it in one word, responsibility to yourself to make a better community. That is something that's so key, and you talk about being under attack, that we're attacked by the woke left, we're being told we should be systemically racist, that the color of your skin determines whether you are the oppressed or oppressor. How do you cut through that with Take Charge MN, Take Charge Minnesota? Yeah, so we, with this nonprofit we started last year, it grew so big so fast, and I did two things. I got called from suburban uh, community, parents, grandparents in the suburbs in outstate New York, help us understand this critical race theory. I did that. We did that on steroids, uh, literally 50% of my time. The other 50% was going in the black community and reminding them that we did not used to live like this. We didn't. You know, when, when, I, when I was five years old, Martin Luther King was assassinated in my lifetime. So when, at that time, 80% of the families were two-parent families. Today, 80% of the the families are are, are fatherless homes. I call it a cultural genocide. So when I go to the the black community, I said, look, we need to stop trusting these politicians and return to our cultural roots of faith, family, and education. We don't need a grant. We don't need government permission. We don't need a politician to do it. And unfortunately, some of our our pastors in in the black community are not leading on this issue. You know, God did not intend for women to raise children alone. And they all agreed, David. And, and the biggest issue around this is that they just don't know what to do next. How do we make this happen? So I got 50 people from the black community of the Twin Cities. They're all on our website. You'll see it on the Take Charge website. Uh, they, they denounce critical race theory. They denounce Black Lives Matter. And they promote the idea of America and that it works for anyone, regardless of race, regardless of social standing. You brought up, actually, you answered in part my next question. So we're we're sharing a brain on this part of the issue, which is the pastors. Look, I've seen the good pastors, and I've seen the horrendous. And there are many out there across the faith community in America, the black pastors who are literally pushing the community for power or whatever other reasons, keeping them where they are. And there are those that also want people to go out, get better, do better. And 
that's rarely talked about in media or, frankly, openly and honestly on the stage. There are users and abusers, and I forget who it was said to me recently in an interview. Uh, Actually, I remember now. It was Eddie Slaughter, a black farmer, someone who is still fighting uh, to to help others across the country. And he said, they buy off our leaders. And in the black community, there is a fair amount, if not a majority, of false black pastors. I, I would agree with you. I, you know, this is sad. I, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't um, do well for me to say this. I, I mean, I, I, I say it hurts me to say this. I should say that. The moral authority of the black church died with Martin Luther King. I came to the faith when I was 27 years old because I rejected. I didn't feel like it, um, you know, that, that the church or God was relevant in my life. And I went to one of the, someone invited me to church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it was uh, Tony Evans was the pastor. It was the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. I, I had never heard the Bible taught that way. So it really changed my life in, 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 a, in a good way. I've been married now for 36 years. We have five kids. I'm very blessed. We adopted one of the kids. I, I tell people I don't remember which one because I love them all the same. But having a faith life can be transformative. It was for me. Unfortunately, a lot of our communities don't have that. And this cultural genocide, I call it, David, from 80% two-parent families to 80% fatherless homes, the tragedy is there's been not one national initiative to reverse the trend. I tell people if if we were a gray wolf or spotted owl, the black community would be on the endangered species list. And there would be bumper stickers, save the black family, right next to free Tibet. And there'd be all kind of galas to save the black, but they're not because we've been used as a political pawn for 50 years. And it ends right now. I'm, I'm going, we're going to make a national issue of it. Last issue on the table, certainly not our last conversation, Kendall, election integrity and reform in the system. Now, there's been work underway within the uh various quarters to work on election integrity in Minnesota, as well as a number of other states. Constitution's very clear. The lower house in each state governs the manner and time of elections. Uh, Your stance on election integrity and how we fix the various problems within the system. Yeah, this this is uh, an issue that's a priority for us. So we have on our website, we have uh, six items we plan on uh, uh, instituting and, and taking care of in six months in our administration, six issues in six months. And election, election integrity is one of them. In fact, we're going to pass uh, voter ID as well as paper ballots until we get a better, uh, a better structure and security around our electronic voting system. Now, I'm not just talking about last year. Here in our state of Minnesota, we have on record that the election of Norm Coleman versus Al Franken was actually uh, the outcome was actually uh, in favor of Norm Coleman because there was an audit, public audit, independent audit done that felons voted for Al Franken, who should not have voted in that election. And eligible voters, ineligible voters, was propelled Al Franken into office. That was a clear public acknowledgement. Nothing has changed in our election system since then 
ensure that that doesn't happen again. So we have a public issue already uh, documented that needs to be addressed that hasn't been addressed, and uh, we're going to make sure that happens in this new administration. My guest, Kendall Qualls, Republican gubernatorial candidate for Minnesota. His website, KQ4FORMN.com, KQ4MN.com. Kendall, good luck to you on the campaign trail, and uh, we'll be talking again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.